Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you with exceedingly great joy. I hope that you had a blessed Easter weekend. This is one of my favorite times in the whole calendar year as we celebrate the great victorious resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are in part 13 of Truth, Light, and Love, Breaking the Power of Deception. We have been this entire time in the beautiful epistle of 1 John. So with that, I'd like to open with prayer. Father, I thank you for your holy word. I thank you for imparting your truth, your love, your understanding and comprehension to all those listening to this broadcast. I ask, Lord, that your word would penetrate their heart. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would impart to them this truth that you are about to speak through me. I pray, Father, that we would not be just hearers of your word, but doers of your word as well. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you for this great opportunity to speak the word of God. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, I'll be reading tonight out of the New King James Version the entire time. So get your Bibles ready. We're going to begin in chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 10. John writes, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. These are strong words. Get your spoonful of sugar and swallow it Swallow it down so that you can handle what John is writing. This is a hard saying. We're going to look at these first five verses here. By going to Genesis chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. And this is about Cain uh, murdering Abel. Now Adam knew his wife, Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. 
And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. These five verses point out something very, very important to us as believers. And it is the fact about the commandment that Jesus gave us to love one another. Jesus also tells us in Matthew's gospel that when we hate a brother, it's like committing murder. So you see in the Ten Commandments, it said, thou shalt not kill. But Jesus comes and he says, if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder. That's pretty strong stuff. So John is just reiterating this message about loving our brothers and sisters, loving people, and not to be as Cain, who was wicked. And, you know, it's interesting because even the Lord addressed Cain and said, why are you angry? Now, imagine if the Lord spoke to you and said, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? Fallen? And Cain had such a evil nature that when the Lord addressed him about where his brother was, he was, you know, it, you could almost hear this smart aleck response. I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? When all the while he knew that he had murdered his brother. He knew he took his brother's life, and yet he could speak to the Lord in such a uh, just a, an arrogant, um, it's just an awful way to respond to the Lord. Am I my brother's keeper? And in essence, he was lying to the Lord because he, he did know what he had done to his brother. Because the Lord goes on to say, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So Cain had a very profane nature. It was uh, contrary to the ways of the Lord. Obviously, his, his tone, his mannerism, his words were very profane. And you see where that got him. So this is, a, you know, this is a really serious issue about whether we love or hate one another. This is very basic kind of 101 Christianity. And John makes a big deal because as you as we keep moving on, we get to chapter 4 and 5, John is not going to let go of this theme about loving one another. He's not going to let it go. The reason is because it's that important to 
you and I. As believers, it, we are commanded to love one another. If you have an issue with a brother or a sister, or maybe they're not even a believer of Christ, you need to address that issue with the Lord and see how Holy Spirit would have you work that situation out so that you're not holding resentment, bitterness, anger, hatred in your heart. See, we have to work out those issues, like it or not. We can't hold on to them because John writes in verse 15, he says, well, at the end of 14, he says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. That is really strong medicine, really strong medicine. When we don't love a brother or sister in the faith, we are abiding in death. What does that mean? That means we have actually connected with the spirit of death. When we have this hatred inside of us toward another brother or sister in Christ, then we have connected with the spirit of death. We have uh, aligned ourselves with death. And we are totally out of alignment, out of alignment with the Lord. And then John goes to write in verse 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Imagine being called a murderer when we have that kind of hate, period. Doesn't matter how much hate you have. (laughs) When we hate, we have committed murder. And then John writes, you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so that's true. When we get to a point where we have that kind of feeling deep in our heart toward another individual, especially a brother or sister in Christ, but no matter, a human being, when we have that kind of hatred, we don't have the life of Christ abiding in us because Christ is love. So when, when hate is being fulminated in our heart and coming out of our heart, and probably if it's in our heart, I can assure you it's coming out of the mouth, then how is God's life, eternal life, living in us? Let's go on. Verse 16, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. See, that's the, uh, that's the gold standard. How do we know this love, John is saying? How do we recognize God's love? Here's how we recognize it. Because Jesus laid down his life for us. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday. The laying down of Jesus' life. Giving up his life. He laid his life down. No one took his life. He laid it down. And the scripture makes it very clear that no man took Jesus' life. He laid down his life for us. And that is how we are to know, to recognize and solidify this love of God because Jesus laid down his life for us. And John goes on to write, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whew, that's pretty strong stuff. 
Jesus laid down his life for us, and we in turn are supposed to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Hmm. Verse 17, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And that's where, you know, being a hearer of the word only and not a doer, we see a brother or a sister who is struggling. Maybe they don't have the finances to finish paying off a bill, or they don't have a vehicle so that they can get to church. And, you know, it could be a variety. When we see people, maybe they don't have enough food in the refrigerator or the cupboard to make it another week. And we see that when we see these things, these needs that others have, and we shut up our heart as if, you know, like we put blinders on because we don't want to we don't want to pay attention to that. We don't want to look at we don't want to know that somebody else has a need. Then John poses the question, how does the love of God abide in us? John, you see, is taking it right down to. You know, he's taking it out of the lofty scriptures and he's bringing it right down into life, right down into life. Verse 19. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and God knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Um, oh, I think I skipped a, I skipped a, um, sorry, I skipped verse 18. John writes, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What pretty much what I was just saying. So somehow I skipped over that specific scripture, but Yes, that's the point. How do we say that we love one another? We can, you know, verbally tell people that we love them. But are we loving them in deed and in truth when we see that they have a need and we refuse to meet that need? Now, John switches gears a little bit here. When he... Um, says in verse 20, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And, and basically what that's saying is Paul wrote and told us in uh, Romans 8, verse 1, he said, now, therefore, there is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. But John's saying, if your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. And knows all things. So if you are allowing condemnation, you're suddenly just overwhelmed with all kinds of condem condemnation. And your heart is what's going to condemn you, knowing that you've done something wrong. John says, beloved, if our heart does, but if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So if we, if we start feeling condemnation, we know the condemnation isn't coming from the Lord. 
Now, if you if we've done something wrong, said something wrong, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We read that in 1 John 1, 9. But God is greater than that condemnation. And he, he knows, he understands that we've, you know, maybe slipped up. We've confessed it. It's under the blood. And then he encourages us to say, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. In other words, you know, if you, here's the reality. If you are feeling condemnation, you're walking in self-condemnation. You will not have confidence toward God. You will not be able to go before God because you, you, the enemy's condemning you and you're receiving that condemnation. And then you start condemning yourself. You won't have confidence in God and you won't have faith to walk in the things of the Lord. You, you won't even approach God. You'll stay away from God. But when you do, do not condemn yourself, when your heart's not condemning you, you have full assurance. You have confidence toward God. You can go to God and speak to him. And, you know, so verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. John simply saying this, if we keep his commandments, whatever we ask of him, we're going to receive from him. And we want to do the things that are pleasing in his sight. We want to walk in righteousness. And this is a powerful commandment that we should believe. See, here's the key word in verse 23, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. You didn't get born again any other way except you believed on his name, period. Yes, you're saved by faith through grace, saved by grace, saved by grace through faith, but you had to believe on his name. And the other commandment, part of that, is not only that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, but that we love one another. John says, as he, as he, Christ, gave us commandment. Jesus gave us the commandment to love one another. Verse 24, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So John is just simply saying the individual, the person who keeps the commandments of God is obviously abiding in, in him. And abiding in him is that, that we're, we're just, you know, we're leaning into him. We're, we're spending time with him. We're listening to his voice. We're in his word. We're abiding in him. See, that's part of, you know, our walk, our journey. We're abiding in him. We want to hear from him. You know, during our waking hours, we want to 
know what God's saying. We want to be listening to his voice. We want to be directed by the Holy Spirit. We want Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us through our day. So the person who's keeping the commandments of the Lord is obviously, it's kind of obvious, is abiding in Christ. And Christ is abiding in him. And John says, by this we know that, here's how we know that Christ abides in us. This is how we know. By the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So it's the Holy Spirit who testifies to us that Christ is abiding abiding in us. See, we have the Holy Spirit, who is uh, the third part of the triune Godhead, We have the Holy Spirit that Christ gave us. Holy Spirit, right? Came on the day of Pentecost. Boom. The Holy Spirit came. He gave us the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit who lives in us is the one who testifies that Christ does abide in us. All right. Chapter 4. Verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. All right, I'm going to stop there for a moment. John says, don't believe every spirit. And you shouldn't. Test the spirits, whether they are of God. I remember a woman coming into a prayer line. Um, I was working the healing rooms at a, at a certain place, and this woman came in. She wanted prayer for healing. And um, she was not born again, although she had filled out her paper, said she was. But I can tell you, I tested those spirits. Now, here's, here's how we know. We're going to test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this is speaking also of a preacher comes to town, an evangelist comes to town, a prophet comes to town. You go to, um, you go to the church or you go to the building and you're going to sit under this ministry. You have to test the spirits. Because there are many false prophets. I've sat under two, at least two women that I can think of. Both were false prophets. Um, and so you have to test the spirit. You, you listen very carefully. You listen very carefully to what they're saying. And then if you really want to test them, you, you, um, you talk to them and you ask them specific questions. Now, let me back up a minute. I'm calling them a false prophet. I they were they were preaching Jesus, but they were off. Okay, they were off, and um, 
So they were really walking in a spirit of deception. I shouldn't say that they were false prophets. Some of the things they were saying were false. And but it was the spirit uh, behind it. So John says, by this, you know, the spirit of God. Here's how you're going to know the spirit of God is operating in an individual, a preacher, a minister, a prophet. This is how you're going to know. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Now, those two women I'm talking to you about, they confess that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh and they believed that. But they were off. There was something not clearly right with their ministry. It was not properly aligned with the Holy Spirit. And John says, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. So it's that simple. Here's how you test the spirit of God is operating in an individual. If they say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, they are of God. If say if they say that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh, they are not of God. And what is that spirit? John tells us precisely, it's the spirit of anti-Christ, anti, against Christ. So you meet an individual, they say they love God, you get into a conversation, suddenly you realize, oh, something's not, something's just not right. And then you can confront them in a nice way, ask them, you know, to kind of confirm this, that Jesus came in the flesh. And if they don't believe that, if they tell you they don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh, you now know that the spirit operating in them is an antichrist spirit. It's against Christ. That should make sense. And John says to his writers there, um, he's or to the ones who are going to read this epistle, he's saying, look, you've already heard the spirit of Antichrist is coming, and now it's already here. So that spirit of Antichrist has been around a long time. It was around in John's day, and it hasn't gone away. In fact, it has flourished. It is more than ever the spirit of Antichrist. Uh, you can see that. You can see that in our secular media operating, the spirit of Antichrist. You can see that in certain churches, the spirit of Antichrist. Um, you, if you're listening by the spirit, listening carefully by the spirit, you will hear and you will suddenly realize and recognize this is an Antichrist spirit that's operating. And that thing has, I mean, that spirit has really flourished in America. We, um, you know, we've really opened the door, the door to the demonic realm. When we passed Roe versus Wade, we opened the door to the demonic realm. So we've unleashed uh, the enemy to, um, you know, wreak havoc in our nation. Sure. So that spirit of Antichrist is, is alive and well. And it was alive and well in John's day. It's alive and well in our day. Well, we're, gonna, we're just going to conclude right there. And let me just say to you, um, I'd love for you to go to the website, www.pureheart.today. Get updated. Uh, the 
prophetic word for April teaching, word of encouragement. The podcasts are on there. The video casts are on there. And I want to tell you that I did a word of knowledge video that I'd really like you to listen to if you happen to fall in this category. You can listen to it regardless. But if you are somebody who is experiencing a dark night of the soul, I really want to encourage you to listen to the word of knowledge that the Lord gave me. Lo, I am with you always. That was the scripture the Lord spoke to me. And I believe that if you listen to this and you're having a having experiencing the dark night of the soul, that you will receive healing. And uh, this thing will be broken off of you. Amen. Well, this is Don Noble. I look forward to speaking with you again. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.